0: Well, as Tyler said, it's 2021, and it's a new year. We're looking at a lot of change as we come into this year, or maybe not change from last year, but boy, a lot of change from where we were a year ago at this time. And we're going to be looking at this time at the book of John as a book that will help us maybe understand some of the important themes that God wants us to live by in this time. So today at the end of the sermon, we'll be doing communion together. We're just going to flow straight into that. And so if uh, you want to just pause for a moment and get a cup and some bread and be able to join us at the end, that would be great. But let's start together by reading the first part of John's gospel. It's the first 18 verses. It's an introduction that he writes. We'll look at what that all means in a moment, but let's hear God's word together. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Father God, as we try to make sense of that passage, as we try to walk our way through this great book of John's, Father, we just pray that you would be with us this morning. Guide us and lead us, direct us, we pray. Help us to understand a little bit more of what John was saying and what you are saying through John to us this morning. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who interprets it to us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the word of God. Amen. If you tuned in last week to our sermon, uh, Tyler was speaking about just thoughts for the new year, and he talked about the importance of hearing God kind of give themes or words that help us understand what God's trying to do with us in the new year. For him, the word God gave him was time, and he developed that a little bit. I thought when I heard that, what word is God giving me? And I kind of realized, ah, probably the word God's giving me is the word transition. Um, Retiring at the end of April, Don and I, and, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we finish well? How do we start afresh? How do we hand things over? What do we continue doing? What new things awaits? And I just wonder, because what John is going to do is introduce us to some themes. What are some of the themes that we sense for this coming year? Themes that'll be important, and probably important to realize sooner rather than later. Well, I think one theme for all of us is change. I mean, we live in this time of change. I was just thinking back to this Sunday a year ago. Since then, uh, my mom passed away. Our two daughters and their two husbands have each taken a new job. They've moved to new cities to do that. Don and I announced our retirement. Uh, We're preparing to move to Campbell River in... uh, The late spring, COVID came, totally changed how we do church, totally changed Christmas Eve. Boy, that was a different service to actually tape that 10 days before Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Eve for me was done. It wasn't that Christmas Eve service we get to do. I think another theme is trust. Um, The past isn't coming back. We started started to realize that we're we're never going to go back to normal. We're going to go forward to a new normal And we just need to trust God in the uncertainty of this intervening stage. It's sort of like the people of Israel. You remember under Moses, they left Egypt and they were going to the promised land. But there was this passage in between this time in the wilderness. And I think that's where we are. We're in this time in the wilderness between where we were and where we're going to be. And in a sense, we wander there, but we wander being led by God. And we have faith in God's leading that he's actually preparing us at this time for the new land. And another theme is work and rest. Tyler talked about soul care last week, and I was kind of struck by that because when I went to seminary 40 odd years ago, um, we were taught about the care of souls. That was one of the descriptions of a pastor's role is the care of souls, uh, the people that uh, we're part of his congregation. The new phrase is soul care, which is much more about care of ourselves. We weren't taught that as much. And I just think, well, of course, it's a both and, right? You need to be caring for yourself, but you need to be caring for others. And in order to care for others, you have to care for yourself. And we're going to develop that towards the end of the sermon. But but that's another theme that's there, is this whole idea of work and rest, of of being active for God, but being uh, resting in God at the same time. So John wrote this book that we're going to be looking at for the next little while. In fact, the next four months, we're just going to stroll through this book. We're going to go chapter by chapter uh, till Holy Week, and then we're going to go through one chapter a day through Holy Week, through Monday, through Good Friday, and then uh, we'll come to Easter. And this morning we read the prologue to the book that John wrote. Now the story of the book will start next week when we talk a little bit more about this John the Baptist that he was introducing us to. And we just need to get straight in our minds that John who wrote the book, who was the Apostle John, and John the Baptist, two different people. It's just the same name, just gets confusing at the start of the book, but, uh, but John is introducing this book, and I think he said, I need a way to start this story. I need a way, I think John was saying, to be able to explain a little bit about where I'm going, about the themes that John wanted to stress I think all the other Gospels were written first. So we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and everybody had a copy of those or had heard them or at least knew the stories from them. And John decides he was gonna write a more kind of reflective and theological version of that, um, almost like John's sermons. Um, And as you see it, you get much more dialogue. Uh, Jesus is really short and pithy in these uh, synoptic Gospels. It's always short sound bites. In John, he has long talks. And I think John is um, helping us see Jesus in a more full dimension, more explanation, more interpretation, almost John's sermons on the life of Jesus. But then he decides, I need to write this introduction. I need to start this book by, by helping people kind of understand some of the important things that we're going to be touching on. And so it's like an overture to a musical or a symphony. And I don't know, I I like uh, musicals much more than I like symphonies or operas, but you go to a musical and the orchestra starts and if you've heard the music before for that musical, you hear snippets of all the songs that will be being sung later on are all being played in this one piece at the beginning called the overture. And it's What John has done in this uh, 18 verses that I read us at the start, he's really created this beautiful, poetic, highly stylized prologue, and all the themes that we find in there will be there. Uh, They've been mentioned in some ways. And so in some ways, this is almost like an index to the rest of the book. And he's done it in a stylized pattern called a chiasmus, which is a word none of us use. And it really is actually the Greek word for the letter X. And uh, in Hebrew thought, when John wrote this, um, and although he wrote in Greek, he thought in Hebrew, um, you kind of write, and it looks like the the greater than sign, if you want, I guess for you guys this way. (laughs) But um, if you kind of just looked at it, and there's sermon notes that you can Download to go with this that might help you just be able to visualize this But he talks off with in the beginning was the word and he talks about Jesus and then he goes There was a man whose name was John and he talks about John the Baptist and then he comes back to Jesus The word became flesh and then he comes back to John the Baptist John testifies about this and then he finishes with Jesus grace and truth came through Jesus Now in the West what we are taught in English class is um you put the important things either at the beginning or at the end. So uh, if you take journalism, uh, newspaper reporters are told, don't bury the lead. In other words, put the most important thing at the front. Well, they don't do it as much as they used to, but but typically in a newspaper article, you would read the first paragraph and you get all the information. Everything else was developing what was in that. So that was put it at the beginning. Speakers are often told, Put the most important thing at the end. Finish with a bang. And uh, it's sort of like, um, you know, if you have a key hidden to your house somewhere. Now that we have the codes, we don't need that as much. But, but when you had a key hidden, you either hit it at the front door or you hit it at the back door. And that's sort of this idea. In Hebrew thought, you put the most important thing in the middle and you create this chiasmus, this thing where it kind of steps out. And the most important thing is right in the middle. It's sort of like a mountain peak if you want to change the dimension of that or direction of that. And in the middle, John says this. But to all who received him, to who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That's the heart of what John is talking about. And he's put it right in the middle. And I don't know if he got confused when I read that through. Um, it, it's hard to know when John is changing gears and you have to kind of, oh, yeah, now he's talking about John the Baptist. Oh, I guess he's back to Jesus now. And, but what I think he was trying to say, let's just simplify that whole thing and say he was just trying to answer three big questions. And the first one of those is, who are we talking about? And he starts off with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So who are we talking about? He says, we're talking about the word. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek word for word is logos. Now, in Greek philosophy, logos was the rational organizing principle behind the universe. It's that abstract rule or order behind everything. So they didn't have a personal God. They had this idea that there was this logical hidden hand, whatever, uh, this wisdom that was there behind everything. In the, New, in the Old Testament, word was much more personal. Uh, God created by a word. God spoke and it happened. <clears throat> in the Psalms, it's true after creation as well. It says in Psalm 107, he sent out his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destruction. And you get this personification of word. You get this word is used of God himself. And in Proverbs, you get that of wisdom, which is another form of this logos in Greek. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. And there's some of that language of John that's caught up in that where wisdom is talking there. And yet you understand that in lots of ways, it's really talking about Jesus. And what John is trying to say there, I think, is just really simply this. Jesus is both what the Greeks were looking for through their philosophy and what the Jews were waiting for in their understanding of the Old Testament. And Paul in 1 Corinthians pulls these two things together. And in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, We preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so he's tying that power and presence of God and that wisdom of God, and he's tying this Greek and this Hebrew thought together. So he says, who are we talking about? We're talking about the ultimate whatever it is in your system of thought. And we're about to explain to you that that's really God. And then secondly, he talks about the Word and God. And in developing this idea of Jesus and the Word, he says two things about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I'll let you settle on that for a second, because he actually contradicts himself. He immediately says, Jesus was God. And then he immediately says, Jesus was with God. So which was it? Was he God or was he with God? And to solve that, the Jehovah's Witnesses simply say, well, let's just come down on the side that Jesus really wasn't God. He was just with God, that he was a God, but he isn't God. But if we're going to be biblical Christians, we need to learn to hold those two things together. It's the ultimate both and. And, and you know, I, I love both and. And this is where it comes from. It really starts with who Jesus is. Is Jesus God? Or is Jesus with God? And it's both. In other words, he is God, but he's not the Father. And we have here the start of this understanding of the Trinity, that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are each God, but they're different from each other. They're distinct persons, if you want. And we'll look at that further another day, because John's going to go into this. This is all introduction, but it's just crucial to understand what, what John is saying about Jesus. He's saying, Jesus is God. And John starts with a super high version of who Jesus is, that he really is God. When you read the other Gospels, Jesus appears, you know, as a baby at Christmas. Then he appears, you know, on the beach and he calls these disciples to follow him. And they start to figure, gee, there's more to this guy than we realized. And they slowly begin to realize that he's God. John just starts you right off. He is God. And John wants you to know that right off the top. And the third thing out of that first point is the word and humanity. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the third thing that John wants us to know about who Jesus is, is that not only is he God, but he became man. He was born as a baby, grew up as a man. And this is the other crucial both and. And if we don't get this one, then we don't understand Jesus. And it messes up our theology beyond redemption. Jesus was God and man at the same time. In other words, he didn't stop being God when he became a man. And he didn't just appear as a man. He really was human. And theologians call that the incarnation. Carne means uh, flesh, like carnivore or... Chalake and Carney, this Jesus became enfleshed, as it were. He became human. And so John starts out by saying, who is this Jesus? Whatever your ultimate view of reality is, he is that. He is God, but he is not God the Father. And he was both man and God in his time on earth. So a very high view of who Jesus was. Secondly, what did he do? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father. And and hidden in that verse is a very special word that I think the ESV does us a a disservice in translating. It it translates it dwelt among us, but John used a far richer word than that. The word he used was used in the Old Testament for a tabernacle. What he really says is the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And you're going, well, tabernacle, what's tabernacle? Well, the tabernacle was the tent that Moses built in the wilderness. And it was to be a sign of God's presence. It would later, the form of it would become the form of the temple. But in Exodus, while they're in the desert, Wandering, God says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And I find how many echoes are in this in this verse of John. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. And what God says is, I want to dwell in your midst. And so he, he gives them this tabernacle and his glory comes down the Shekinah glory and Shekinah means tabernacle as well. So the tabernacle glory comes down. And the tabernacle was God's presence in the wilderness. It's where he met with the people. It's where he met with Moses and talked to him face to face. And it's that image that John has here when he talks about the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. No, no, he tabernacled. He, he tented. He, he was present. He dwelt among us. It was God's presence here in all his glory, grace, and truth. And then the third thing. Why did he come? And John says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Jesus came to call us back into relationship with him. That parable of the prodigal son that I come back to again and again and again, because I think it's the ultimate image of, of God. And us, It's the story of a son running away to do his own thing, repenting of that and coming home. And the father welcomes him back and restores his place in the family. And that's our story. And it's the story of the gospel of John. Jesus, who was part of the Trinity with God, came and became man so he could live out the life that Israel and we were to live out a life of obedience and trust and witness about God. And in dying on the cross, Jesus completes the obedience that we should have and Israel should have. And in his death, we find forgiveness and restoration. And we're restored to our place in the family. The part that's missing from that parable of the prodigal son is this death of Jesus part. Where Jesus lives out fully. He's, in a sense, the third son, you know, because the elder son wasn't much better than the younger son in that story. But he's the one that lives out in complete obedience. And he's the one through whom we can come back and we can be part of the family of God. Now, those are just a couple of the main themes that John is going to introduce. And we're going to look at them in much greater detail. This last one, he does all of chapter 3, that story of Nicodemus, where we get John 3.16. You know, God loved the world so much, he gave his only son. We'll see much more of that. But but just the introduction, John says, if you're going to read this book, you have to understand three things. You have to understand who Jesus was. You have to understand what he did, that he became flesh. So who Jesus was, that he was God. What he did, that he became a man. And why he came in order to bring us back to God. And then he's going to develop these themes throughout the book. But in the midst of those, of course, there are those two parts where he talks about John the Baptist. Uh, Next week, we'll look at John the Baptist in detail because the first part is all about him. But John describes John the Baptist as a witness. And he's reminding us today that part of our role, and maybe a big part of our role going into 2021, is this idea of being a witness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Now, I think we are called to be John the Baptist. We're not called to be Jesus. We're not called to be the Messiah. We're not called to be, you know, gods. We are called to be a witness. And as we start this new year, I just kind of wondered, well, as we get a glimpse of who Jesus was, and as we get a glimpse of what our calling is to be a witness, to be one who testifies about our relationship with God, I want to come back to where we started with this idea of themes. And I said back there that there's a sense in which soul care and care of souls are two parts of our lives. Care of souls is is reaching out and serving others, being a witness to others. Soul care is, is making sure that we have the love of God and the fullness of God within us, that we can do that. And I wanted to give you, as my kind of New Year's gift to you, two poems this morning. We've looked at John's poem. I want to give you two that have touched my life in deep, deep ways this year. I read them over and over and over as part of my devotion. And as we come and take communion this morning, I think what I want to do in communion is to kind of own these two parts of what God is calling us to this year that we are to have a deep experience of him, and we are to be his witnesses to the world of that deep experience. So two poems. The first one is attributed to Sir Francis Drake. You remember like hundreds of years ago, this guy that circumnavigated the world. And uh, he wrote this poem. Um, allegedly. I, I'm not going to stand by by the authorship of it, but I sure stand by the poem. And here's what he wrote. And just kind of sit back and just hear this. And as we think about taking communion this morning, I'm thinking about what is it that I'm committing myself to in 2021. And I want to suggest let's commit ourselves to two things. Let's commit ourselves to being God's witnesses, to being John the Baptist. But let's commit ourselves to a deeper uh, understanding and deeper relationship with this Jesus that he has described to us. So, to be God's witnesses in the world, Francis Troik wrote this, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. And this we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've said any New Year's resolutions, but boy, when I thought about that, I thought, disturb us when we're too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little. And what is it that God wants to do in our lives as his witnesses this year? Second poem, totally different. It comes from Judy Brown, and it's called Fire. And it's this call to, we do that not in a flurry of activity, but out of the contemplation of rest. That we work six days, but we rest one day. And the one day is the important day. That we spend time with God. Not that we only spend time with God, but that we have that balance. And here's the poem she wrote. What makes a fire burn is space between the logs. A breathing space. Too much of a good thing. Too many logs packed in too tight can douse the flames. Almost as surely as a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between as much as to the wood. And when we are able to build open spaces in the same way, we have learned to pile on the logs. And then we come to see how it is fuel and absence of the fuel together that make the fire possible. We only need to lay a log lightly from time to time. A fire grows simply because the space is there, with openings in which the flame, that knows just how it wants to burn, can find its way. a marvelous poem. What makes a fire burn is space between the logs, a breathing space. And I think that's the two themes of the year for me. How do I become a witness for God? How do I do things for God? How do I live out the care of souls? How do I live out what God has called me to do? And how do I care for myself? How do I keep my relationship with God vibrant? How do I keep the the fires within burning, if you want? That's this idea. It is fuel and the absence of fuel together that makes the fire possible. So as we come to take communion this morning, I just invite you to to pause for a moment and just to kind of think, what is it that God is saying to us? I think God is calling us to be His witnesses. I think God is calling us to to serve Him in this year. But I think God is also calling us to a deeper relationship with Him, a, a closer relationship, a quieter relationship in some ways. And it's in that, in and out that both and of those that we will find what God has called us to. And so this morning, I'm not sure the themes for you, but themes for me, well, knowing God, knowing who Jesus is, being his witness, making a difference for him, trusting him in the midst of uncertainty and change. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning we have our... Small communion cups that we have here that uh, we hope to use again soon. but in them is the bread. And Jesus said, "Repeatedly, come together and take this bread and take this cup. Remind yourself of who Jesus is, this great God who died for us. And remind yourself of your commitment. To live that out in your life. And so we come and we take the bread. Christ's body broken for us. And we receive that. And in receiving it, we recommit ourselves. To knowing God more deeply. And serving God more fully. And then Jesus took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you. Let us drink together. Father God, as we start this new year, we want to start it with you. Father, we have all kinds of dreams and hopes and plans for this year. But, Father, our deepest desire is to know you better and to serve you more fully. So, Father God, I pray for that as we come and prepare to start this new year. Father, I pray that you would help us to just learn deeply from John's gospel as he shows us Jesus in a fresh way. And I pray, God, as we read those two poems, that you would remind us of your two calls in our life, to know you more deeply and to serve you more fully. And so, Father, we pray for that as well. We recommit ourselves to you at the start of this year. We want this year to be a year of growth for us, growth in our knowledge and our love for you, and growth in our service for you. Father, be with us as we walk our way through this book of John. And Father God, even this week, we pray, may we draw closer to you. And may there be someone come across our paths that we can witness to, that we can just tell a little bit of your greatness and your majesty. Go with us into this new year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.